Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is actually our newest podcast effort called Notes on the American Age, and we're transitioning to this format on the all, every other week uh, because we want to allow our longer conversations to stand as is and stop splitting them into into two parts. Um, we've gotten some feedback that you know it makes it a bit more difficult to follow. So notes is our ability to individually, so Seth, Stephen, and I, to uh, comment uh, on a topic uh, on our own, you know, not in conversation. I mean, of course, in conversation because we'll listen to one another's um, submissions, but just kind of free form. Uh, it also allows us to cover things that are maybe a bit more topical that we probably wouldn't necessarily do a, a podcast on. Uh, this week's topic is on Shakari Richardson. Um, Seth, uh, had suggested we talk about this and, you know, I was happy to oblige. I have to admit that I didn't know much about the Shakari Richardson brouhaha, uh, before looking into it. I, of course, knew that she, um, you know, cause I read pretty consistently. And so I knew that she was barred from the Olympics for testing positive for marijuana, et cetera. So, uh, you know, quick background for those of you that don't know, although I'm probably many of you do. Um, so she posted the sixth fastest time. Um, and then in the Olympic trials, uh, won her, um, her division. So she was slated to compete in Tokyo. Uh, and then she tested positive for, uh, for cannabis, THC, and that was a violation of uh, American track and field rules, uh, whatever the name of that that body is, the, the governing body for track and field. And so she was barred from competing. You know, Shakari Richardson's, you know, initial response was to apologize for this. Um, you know, obviously, personally, a cannabis, uh, a positive cannabis test after an event seems entirely irrelevant to me. This is not a performance enhancing drug. Uh, the, uh, American track and field, uh, association also reduced her standard ban because of that. I think it's like three months of its performance enhancing and they reduced it to one month. So there seemed to be some recognition that this was not a serious infraction on her part. But, you know, nevertheless, that's the rule, right? I mean, you know that if you're competing at that level, you are a world class athlete. I'm going to return to that in a second. You know, unfortunately, the usual suspects um, turn this into a conversation about systemic racism. Uh, now, systemic racism is absolutely, I would argue, a real thing. And it's something that is uh, entrenched and difficult to uproot uh, for a variety of reasons. But something like this, I feel like it tarnishes that complexity. It makes uh, the very real problem of combating systemic racism, which is connected to a history of short-changed opportunities for uh, non-privileged, non-white Americans uh, and women too. You probably got to throw that onto the list too. Um, not to say that all white Americans have had all these great opportunities. That's of course not the case, but you know, it's undeniably true that in, uh, in U.S. American history, uh, your race, you know, was a significant uh, significantly impacted your opportunities. And the legacy of that is still with us today. So, and, and obviously we've had lots of podcasts on that. But when you turn something like a basic rule to compete at an Olympic level for track and field and call that systemic racism, first of all, my understanding of, you know, 
the drug laws that were particularly and de- uh, uh, were particular particularly glaring examples of systemic racism were around the dual sentencing guidelines for cr- uh, crack cocaine versus regular cocaine, so regular powder cocaine, whatever. Um, that was the most glaring example of systemic racism as it applied to the law, the the drug laws as written. Now, applications of those punishments, clearly, I'm sure that, you know, I, I would be willing to bet any amount of money that there is research to suggest that uh, black Americans uh, suffered harsher sentences than, you know, probably middle class white Americans did for, for drug abuse, including including cannabis and, and uh, THC, etc. So, I'm sure that's a real thing, but this track and field rule is seems like it's just applied across the board. It's not systemic racism. Maybe it may be a dumb rule, but it's not an example of keeping black athletes down. Are we suggesting that I mean, the implication of AOC's argument is that essentially black Americans like the ganj more than white Americans? Is that what we're saying? That seems a little racist to me. Like uh, cannabis use is, is has increased in this country significantly over the last 20 years. It's not just black people who are consuming it. It's a wide swath of Americans. So I'm not even really sure what the implication is. It, I'm going to return to that at the end as well. So additionally, boiling this down to an issue of racism really, like, cuts off so many more interesting ways to critique and examine what happened. So we have a long history of athletic personalities taking two approaches to their media personalities off the court or off the field, whatever, you know, whatever they happen to be playing. And Shikari Richardson fits into this tradition quite well. I mean, she's clearly a very magnetic personality. Um, you know, there's a lot of verve and enthusiasm. And, you know, she likes to, uh, you know, poke and, you know, kind of stick her tongue out a little bit the way Michael Jordan used to do at her opponents, which that's all part of the psychological game that goes into competing at that level. So, you know, you've really got two antipodes or two extremes uh, for how people, for how athletes have chosen to present themselves. I don't mean that this describes everyone, but you kind of fall on two ranges. In basketball, that would be the Tim Duncan version of, you know, the, a workman's ethic, you know, not really, not a braggart, not, let all of his talking be done on the court. One of the great NBA players of all time. And then on the other side, you have someone like Dennis Rodman. No, Dennis Rodman is probably not, not probably, is definitely not the caliber of Tim Duncan, but his flamboyant style definitely was part of his game and it got in people's heads and was quite effective for his, uh, uh, his, the role he played on, uh, the Chicago Bulls. So you got those two extremes and people fall, you know, kind of in that line, you know, Kobe Bryant, you know, closer to a, a, a Dennis Rodman than, uh, a Tim Duncan. Um, you know, Michael Jordan probably or closer to a Dennis Rodman than a Tim Duncan, but also not quite that flamboyant. In boxing, you've got the Muhammad Ali on one end and Joe Frazier on the other. These, these are just one personality and disposition and two, these are strategies, right? It's a mental game at that level. And so this is a much more useful way to think of someone like Shakari Richardson, who is clearly on the more flamboyant side. And absolutely, you know, even though she, you know, in her, I, I saw 
people that had talked about how she disrespected others. And so, yes, okay, fine. But in the quotes that I found from her, she was also acknowledged the the competition and the caliber of the competition. So this is not someone that I, I find to be just full of hot air. And this is entirely missed in the mainstream reporting that I could find. So let's take, for example, the Washington Post, uh, Adam Kilgore, his sort of you know, laudatory piece that he wrote in, uh, in June about Shakari Richardson, which is fine. She's definitely a magnetic sports personality. So this sentence though, start reckoning with, uh, this paragraph, I should say, start reckoning with Richardson. Now start learning how to pronounce her name. It's Shakari and start learning her personality because she will be happy to show it. Get used to her technicolor hair in perfect stride, her elegant eyelashes and her bold proclamations, her blazing times and her unapologetic attitude, brash and bubbly at the same time. Start reckoning with R- Richardson now. The tone of this piece is, is as if he is educating his readers that they should come, they should accept the bra- the loud brash personality of Shakari Richardson as if we have as if we would need to clutch our pearls when we see a black athlete that is sort of like living out loud on and off the court this has been going on for 50 years this isn't a new thing like you're not educating uh sports watchers into like black culture like just now in 2021 now maybe i'm not giving kilgore uh, maybe I'm not being totally fair, but if you read the piece, which I would encourage you to do, I think my I think my assessment is accurate. I think it, it's a way for a particular class of people in the United States right now to feel good about their political positions, which were fought by people long before them and which most Americans are absolutely fine with. There's a region, there's a reason that Shikari Richardson has the kind of, got the kind of notoriety and attention that she did. And it's not just because liberal progressives liked her. Like big, loud personalities are attractive to people in general. And that's certainly been true in the United States. This is, and it goes to my larger point on the Shikari Richardson controversy, such that it was, is that race really makes us just dumb. Focusing on race all the time as an explanation for anything. Really just, it turns the world into, pardon the pun, but black and white. It's like we're rolling back the television era. Like, we can't do HD, it can't be Technicolor, we've got to go back to black and white TV. Um, that's what it's doing to our imaginations. There are much more interesting frames within which to interpret you know, someone like Shakari Richardson's, like the, the tradition that she falls into, which is pretty interesting from the angle of maybe a female athlete, right? Because most of our sort of brash athletes tend to be males. So, you know, but she's not the, um, she's not the only female athlete to, to fit into that role. But, you know, that's at least somewhat new. Uh, we haven't made a lot of space for that, uh, in, in U.S. American culture. And so, you know, that, that might be a, an, an approach to take. And the other is that as far as her, you know, getting popped for, for using THC, she's 21 years old. Like th- this is just, these are the things that young people do, right? They make poor choices. When I was, 
21 and, and in school as an undergrad, I regularly parked my car without a, I mean, this is a really stre- a stretched analogy. So, but I regularly parked my car in a no parking zone and just took the tickets that accumulated there and stuffed them into my glove box until they booted my car. Now, I mean, the stupidity of something like that is just off the charts, but I was a stupid 21-year-old kid. It's much more humanizing to see someone like Shakari Richardson, rather than her being a symbol for black athletes, as just another sort of humanizing, but perhaps cautionary tale about the mistakes of youth. Like, whatever, she got high the day before, didn't really think about it or thought maybe she wouldn't get tested. I mean, who knows what the psychology of the decision was? I don't know. I'm not in her head. But this sort of perennial tale of youth making unwise decisions kind of comes together with a piece of her overall personality, which is quite brash and a sort of devil-may-care approach um, to her sport and to her profession. So, you know, I'm actually, I'm glad, I'm glad Seth had suggested this. I hadn't really looked into, as I said at the beginning, I really thought about it too much. It reminds me, I don't read a lot of sports reporting anymore. I used to read more. I used to follow the NFL more closely, uh, NBA as well. I mean, sports, these sort of commentaries around our athletes, um, they're lazy. They're really just lazy. They're just not an interesting approach. I just, you know, Shakari Richardson is not unique in she is a unique person and her style is of course refreshing and she herself is singular but this dynamic and this approach to one's sport and to one's public persona is not new at all it's not systemic racism it's not stodgy America unable to deal with, you know, sort of the new uh, cultural norms. This is just someone who is alive and erratic uh, and enthusiastic clashing with the rules. And, you know, the story is interesting and she is interesting to watch because of that. I don't even know why we have to bring the race piece into it. It's just not, it's just not, it doesn't make us any smarter in this context. It should be reserved for, for the topics and issues where it's appropriate. That's my note for this week. We will be back next week with our full form uh, conversation. I hope you enjoy uh, Seth's uh, comment. Stephen Fullwood is not uh, going to submit something this week. Uh, he He's fine, but he was in a, uh, a bicycle accident and he's recovering. And so he'll, uh, he'll join us for our next notes. Thanks very much for listening. Hi, my name is Seth Rodney and I am a senior critic for Hyperallergic, the online arts magazine. And today I am speaking to you from Newburgh. I have some notes on the situation with Shakari Richardson. Shakari Richardson is an American, U.S. American track and field star who was born in 2000. She recently has been in the news quite a bit because she, uh, this year in April, ran uh, the 100 meters in 
a personal best time of 10.72 seconds, which put her in the ranks of fastest women of all time in the sixth place. And the fourth fastest, and uh, she uh, became the fourth fastest U.S. American woman in history with that race. She also qualified for the 2020 Summer Olympics with an even faster time of 10, well, that's not true, um, slightly slower, 10.86. But then she ran, uh, she ran in the trials, and she ran really fast. She ran at 10.56, um, but the... She, since she tested positive for cannabis, uh, that race was invalidated. And since then, she's come back, raced at the Prefontaine Classic. And in that race, she ended up being last. And she didn't respond very well to the questions in the interview um, right after the race. And there's a lot of things I have to say about this, but I think I, I want to run through some of the, the, some of the ways that her behavior has been talked about in the media. She was outed for liking a tweet that compared uh, the Jamaican one, uh, runner Shelley Ann Fraser Price who is one of a trio of, um, of Jamaican women who beat her in the Prefontaine Classic. Shelly Ann Fraser-Price did, um, Elaine Thompson-Hurrah, and Sharika Jackson. She liked a tweet seemingly that uh, compared Shelly Ann Fraser-Price to Little Wayne. Basically, someone said that she looked like her, like Little Wayne from the back end. Shikari liked the tweet. She's also got in a bit of trouble on black Twitter for liking a tweet that said something awful about Jamaicans. Something uh, the, the person uh, said, not y'all, not y'all Jamaicans still talking shit when y'all got to walk barefoot to your coconut stand every day for a living. Which is all kinds of classist and uh, stupid i don't i there's not a lot i can say about that it's just it's so juvenile it just i i i don't know what to say the other part of this story that is worth talking about is how she responded to alice and felix who's one of the most decorated people in uh, uh u.s track and field alice and felix was asked how she felt about, uh, thought about um, Shikari, and her response was to say, she's obviously been through so much. I hope that she just, she's just supported. I hope that people rally around her. Obviously, she has a great personality, and she's brought a lot to the sport. I think she'll be in the sport for a long time. I think just more than anything for all athletes, there's so much that goes into it. We just, you know, give her the support she needs. And apparently, Shikari responded to that by going on her Instagram to say, encouraging words on TV shows are just as real as, well, nothing at all. Uh, I don't think she actually said those words. I think she printed them out and just posted them on her Instagram feed. So there's been a lot of backlash. And 
a lot of talk on Twitter, not only on Black Twitter, but on Twitter in general, about how Shikari is behaving really badly. And I had initially suggested talking about this because I wanted to say that there is this idea in the culture that we should never talk badly about black women even when they behave badly. I don't think it's a, a sort of popular idea. I think it's, 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 it's conveyed really subtly that we just don't talk, sort of air our dirty laundry that is the black community. Uh, in places where other people can can see us doing that, but then I I found in looking at various Twitter responses um, and other social media responses that Shikari Richardson was being really harshly taken to task, and I thought I don't want to add to the pylon, and it is important to say that. I look at what she's accomplished and I look at how much pressure she's under to perform internationally and to really act as a kind of spokesperson, not only for herself, but for the sport. And I think she's just 21. And I remember when I was 21 and how completely foolish I was, how I just did not know how to comport myself really in the world because I wasn't sure who I was. Maybe Shikari Richardson has a better grasp of who she is now um, than I did at 21, but I was really trying to find myself. I really didn't know, I didn't know what my personality was. I didn't know how to be comfortable around people. I didn't know whether I was more of an intellectual or more of a painfully shy, which is what I felt most of the time. Um, I didn't know whether I, was someone who could actually exist in a spotlight, any kind of spotlight. I just felt like I couldn't. And I don't know what Shikari Richardson is going through, but I, I will say that I think it's important that we remember that people who are in their 20s are really still trying to figure it out, figure out who they are and how to be in the world in a way that they can be proud of. Certainly a lot has been made about how confident Shikari Richardson seems to be, how flamboyant and how spirited. And I can't help but think that in some instances that, can, that kind of behavior can be very much be a kind of shield or a kind of persona. And I don't... I don't caught into this idea that there's a kind of, you scratch the surface and there's a sort of real you underneath personas. I think we, we cycle through various personas throughout our lives and over time. And as Stephen Forward, my friend and colleague, is, has said to me before, you are many, many different people. Um, and so I think that even behaving as if Shikari Richardson is only that kind of brash, overconfident, uh, in-your-face personality is silly. Um, of course, she's not just that. She's a complex human being. And I wish that she did have the support and a kind of tough love support 
someone that she respected would, I wish that someone would take her aside and say this kind of aggressive behavior isn't serving you well at all. It's, I can't help but think that our culture really celebrates that, though. We love the people who are brash. We love the people who are outspoken. We love the people who are uh, aggressive and, and demanding of our attention. We certainly spent a lot more time talking about Mike Tyson and his youth than we do about Mike Tyson now and the kind of thoughtful human being he's become. Uh, I think, too, about that about Howard Stern, about how after many, many, many years of performing ridiculous shticks on the radio and making a reputation for himself as a kind of bad boy entertainer, he's become a really thoughtful and considered person. I don't remember what TV show I was watching. I think it may have been comedians in cars getting coffee. Listening to him talk with Jerry Seinfeld about some of the expectations for his own life and how his life has turned out made me completely reappraise Howard Stern. Yeah, that makes me think that this moment in time for Sharik Shikari um, is just this moment. And I hope that she lives through it and becomes more fully herself, whoever that self is. Mm-hmm.